I all I know about Wonder Man is that really cool top that he wore, the kind of like sleeveless that... joint with the W. Oh part. yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. And that he had a relationship with oh, who was it? Was it an X Men or was it an Avenger? X Men. Oh, who was it? She was also in the entertainment industry. Dazzler. Yeah. Really. Uh... I was thinking of somebody else. I, I know who his consciousness had a relationship with. Who's that? <laughs> Isn't that Wanda? Yep. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Wonder Man's consciousness is who. Um, That's who I was. Is of. is mirrored after. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. He, he was copied to make yeah, visions. Okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And his name's Simon. That's the extent Simon. of my Wonder Man knowledge. <laughs> I like the way you said that, kind of like the Simon character from SNL. Simon. Remember those bits? It was, no. uh, oh shit, what's his name? Um, that went on to play. Oh, my uh, Yeah. In the bathtub. Yeah, he was in the bathtub. And oh. yeah. I, I, I do drawings, and they would always drawings. Turn, like, he'd reveal it. It's actually this really sad stuff about his childhood, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but he didn't realize how sad it was. I love Saturday Night Live from that era. But I'll be fair. I like Saturday Night Live from all eras, even when it's not that good. You cheeky bumblers. Welcome on into a Comics Place Presents the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, episode 301. And what a fun time we had last week for episode 300. You guys had fun, right? Woo! I got so I got so drunk. I don't really remember. It's like it never happened. Yeah, Roman was of course blacked out. That's just sort of like a podcast with Roman. Colette was here. <laughs> um, she was screaming about something. She had some classic Colette like inside joke. She was repeating over and over again that none of us got because she does that. <laughs> um, but here we are. We've riled down uh, after riling up. We've had our Alka Seltzer. We've had our tums. We've hydrated. It's been another week, and here we are, episode 301. I'm Jeff, as always. I'm Roman. I'm Colette. Yeah, you are. Colette's here. I'm here. It's God, been so we long. God, we love Colette. Well, hey, before we get into the meat of this here, Turkey Sub, let's uh, take a question from our friend William Elmer, episode 301. Let's do it. Hello, and happy episode number 301. Only two more episodes until episode 300. Does that make any sense? No. Do I love it? Yes. Um, you know, Django's out of town, obviously. Hopefully that I'll means wait. Colette is recording with you guys. Hey, yeah. Colette, you're awesome. Jeff, Hi. you're also awesome. Roman, you're also awesome. And if somebody else is recording instead of Colette, you're awesome. Insert name here. Um, with Django out of town, hopefully he brought some great reading material with him. But yeah. maybe he didn't. Maybe he needs some reading suggestions. Mm. I know he can be a little bit picky about what series he's reading. Sometimes there's things he clearly should be reading, right. i.e. Tom Taylor writing Nightwing. Yeah. But for whatever reason, he just can't bring himself to read it. Flat, um, smooth brain. So it made me curious. If you guys all had the opportunity to force Django to read something, mm. um, whether it's for Ooh. his own good or maybe you just want to torture him, mm. what would you force Django to read on his trip while he's out of town? It's a great question. Turn up. Love mm-hmm. you guys. 
awesome. Hope to talk to you soon. See you in a week. I'm out of here. God, I love that guy. What a good guy. Mm-hmm. And a great question this week. I love yeah. that. I thought it was going to be like, what do you bring with you? And the last time I went on a trip, I took New Frontier because I hadn't finished it. Last time I brought a comic on a trip. Um, Wow. I know mine. I know mine. Is it Nightwing? It's not Nightwing. Um, So somebody else can choose Nightwing if they want. Uh, And Rome, Andrew, while these kids think about it, feel free to cut out some silence, you know? Yeah, I love these kinds of questions, but my mind always immediately goes blank. And I Ooh. wish that I had time to like think, walk around and think about it and look at shelves and stuff. What's, I, what's, yeah. what's something you want Django to read? He's read all my favorite stuff. Not mine. No. Um, no. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> fuck, there was something the other day I was telling him he should read, and now I don't remember what it is. Well, I'm I make bad him watch these, Mean Girls. He oh, that's mean right. Yeah. yeah, we're going to do that. Um, I'd like him to finish Akira. I want him to just sit down and read the uh, Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost, uh, oh, Clayton Crane X Force run. Yeah, that's a that just like that. just that fun. I've never uh, just let's watch X Force just brutally murder everybody who's wronged mutants for a while. I, that's, I feel like that's a great yeah. answer. That's a great yeah. answer. Roman, do you have one? Um, because Nightwing also I, is a well, good one. Yeah, of course, Nightwing. Um, and I don't know, maybe he's already read these, but the the um, <clears throat> the original Miracle Man run, you know, up mm. until that, like the current stuff that they're finally doing. I think he'd like mm. that. You're right. I think that's I a think good he one. would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. it fucked up enough that I think he'd also like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. And I'd like him to read just looking at my shelf here. Uh, Alan Moore's short story collection called Brighter Than You Think, because I think mm. he'd dig that. Mm. Ooh, let's read. Make him read books. Like, what's oh. about pictures? <laughs> oh, oh, this this short story. It, it's it's all comic illustrated. Oh well, but let's make him read books. That'd be fun. Oh, regular books. <laughs> well, in that case, I want to read Moby Dick. Ooh, uh, mine for him would be the Greg Rucka Punisher run, which I know he mm. hasn't read. That I've been trying to get him to read for a while. I think it was the very first time I ever saw Marco Cicchetto's art. Um, mm. That was over a decade ago. Uh, that was before I worked at the shop. So I've wanted to find those issues or collections, but I can't find them anywhere. And I want him to read it. And it's good Marco Cicchetto. It's early Marco Cicchetto. I'll check upstairs. We probably got yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, that was a really good Django impersonation. I love that you held your hands over your cheeks. So it looked like you had chops. Um, thanks so much, Will, for the question. We love you. We love all of our listeners. Thank you for hanging out with us for a little while. Uh, I think we're going to dive into the comic discussion now. And I think that there's probably no finer place to start than the human target by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. You're probably like, yeah, guys, you've talked about every single issue. Yeah, we've talked about every single issue, probably. Also, I'm going to say spoilers. There's spoilers. We're going to spoil all the comics we talk about. That means even between the three of us, we're going to be giving away some stuff that other people don't know. But we're chill with it. If you're not chill with it, I support that. <laughs> uh, you can check the timestamps in the episode and skip over things. Or you can just pause, go read your comics and come back. Um, the Human Target 11, the penultimate issue, second to last this issue was good. It was it was chill, like you said. Because oh, I figured that was an ice joke. Nope, nope, just bad. Just oh. talk without thinking too much of the time. Um, Colette looks sad. Let's hear what Colette has to say. I I don't know the last time that I was ever this horny from a comic. Sad, this heartbroken that something is going to be ending. Because mm-hmm. I love this book so much. Like I just like like I actually get emotional thinking about that it's going to end because i just fucking love it so much and this issue was 
just I can't huck. say that anything is better than Mr. Miracle, but man, this feels no. like my favorite Wait. Tom King thing. I don't know. I think it's mine. I because I thought Mr. Miracle was my favorite Tom King thing, and then I thought Batman was my favorite Tom King thing, and now I think this is Rorschach also in the running for me. Oh yeah, yeah Rorschach was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Strange Adventures I think, not quite, but I think that Mr. Miracle is the best thing he like it just it is a piece of stunning achievement but this is this is an i i just love this like i i i I love it so much i love them so much the fucking hottest couple in all of comics according (laughs) to me um because you know that's where i went immediately with oh yeah but no they're they're um, very they're very 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 hot but it's not just king it's smallwood too it's the fact it's the two of them together that is making this the stellar achievement that it is yeah it is a pretty incredible thing there's some amazing amazing art in this issue and this whole series i think of the tom king books that this one is the easiest to hand to somebody who's not familiar with comics or dc history and allow them to enjoy it because i think that i mean like i didn't know who this character was when i started Mm -hmm. it there's just some green lantern stuff in it really but outside of that like it, it plays like a straight wonderful mystery which I think is cool. I was like, man, I want my therapist to read this. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I was also probably kind of drunk. But um, but yeah, in this issue, we get the kind of the whole crux of the mystery here. We find out that it was uh, Guy Gardner and Ice that poisoned Christopher Chance when they meant to poison Lex Luthor. So she's the reason that he's dying and he's mad at her. But now they're in love with each other and he's going to die. And it was such a wonderful issue because as you're all of this is being revealed like the love for the two of the characters that i have but also that they have for each other you just feel that like man i feel really betrayed i feel very betrayed however i also still really like you and that's just a it's an incredible balance to strike in a comic the the state of acceptance of the brokenness of each other and the world that they're in and that like the the just the is of it all like just this is where we're at and this is yes this is what led to this but i'm dying tomorrow and it is what it is nothing can change and i still we could have an argument but i wouldn't get to have a comes before i die yeah (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't get to stare at you and love you and appreciate that we both have done fucked up shit and like he knows she didn't she wasn't going after him and uh Man, I don't even know what to say about this one because it was just so well. That's a Roman, so thing. simple and beautiful. Yeah, I really wonder, like, if in King's original script on this last page at the last panel, if there was a there was a, a bang sound effect. Well, so <laughs> and then he thought better of it. Is that the day or two before this issue came out? He sent a tweet of the cover of this issue, and it said like, "This week, the final chapter of Human Target." So I read it and then Will came in for the book club and he was like, oh, the final issue. And I was like, no, I don't think so. He like showed me the tweet of Tom King (laughs) saying final issue. And I was like, I guess I got to go look at this. Did it say to be or to be was it the end? And it says to be continued and like Tom King just fucked up. But also Tom King, you know, he sometimes (laughs) his second last issues are the end, you know? Yeah. And it's. I mean, even this does feel like it's the wrap up of the story. And then we've got the epilogue of the we need to what, die. <laughs> what's going to come after this moment. And like the the crux of the mystery, the crux of the journey we were on has come to its crescendo. Right. Uh, 
I'm mixing my metaphors, I'm aware. No, I um, love it. And the next one's going to be like the follow up to this. The I, I, I keep hoping he's not going to die somehow, but I also I like he better so die. He be, like it. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Roman? Is he going to die? Uh, um, since it's black label. Yeah, probably. If it was regular yeah. DC, I'd say no. What would we but, do um, without this guy in the regular DC universe, right? He's integral. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, though I'm also wondering if, uh, you know, um, uh, Dr. Midnight, like, actually figured out a way to uh, counteract the poison and Christopher Chance's running the game on her still, even though he was oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, keep thinking, to me. I keep thinking about that, but then he'll make comments about, like, the poison's the poison seems kind today happy in its yeah. knowledge that the victory but still when the attacks come she brings me in lets the cold in her come into me yeah fuck this was hot you guys like okay i'm just gonna i wasn't gonna talk on it, it wasn't hot fuck. it was cold this was the first half of this was some steamy shit really it didn't um, actually steam me out that much really yeah. no me neither but oh, i'm but okay. i'm dead inside so i'm also pretty <laughs> just, close to that just the looks between them. I mean, I think it was actually more the art than anything um, yeah. in these moments. Just this couple is a lot to me. Um, and and Smallwood is like... It's going to make hit. a great absolute addition. He's yeah. above and beyond at this point. Like there's this yeah. this panel of, of Chance looking at Ice and like you can't see his face, but you right. know exactly what it looks like. Just yeah. the little touches of his eyebrow and his eye, like you know, and it's such a beautiful exchange between them. That particular page did super stand out to me. The facial expressions are otherworldly. I do, I mean, like, I want to write a letter to them or talk to them next time at Comics Pro or something, but like, it does not make sense to me that there are no Tom King absolute editions. I would order at least yeah. twice as many of those for our store as I order of any other absolute edition. There are clearly <laughs> books that merit it that he's done at this point, but this one perhaps above all else, although A Strange Adventure's absolute edition would be gorgeous, even though it's not my favorite mm -hmm. story of his. Also Rorschach, and then Mr. Miracle. Never mind, make them all. What is going on? Why do we have death metal absolute editions and not Mr. Miracle? It doesn't make <laughs> yeah, sense. It's, yeah, it's idiotic. So you guys are weak. Sorry, Roman, please. please. Oh, no, no. What, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, are we all giving this book a 10? I wrote 9.5 slash 10. I think it's got to be a 10. I don't like crime books as much as everyone else. I enjoy when they're good. This one I felt was like, if you're not that familiar with noir and, noir and crime, that's all right. We're still going to hold your hand. This is the one where you learn everything. Like, it was just so satisfying. Like it was, it I think does a great job of walking people like me through it. And then also noir experts, which is kind of what you two and Django are. Um, I just think it was great for everybody. I think, oh, so well, good. and I think <laughs> like, I know nothing about just League of America, but I've, feel like even though I know that these are different interpretations of the character, I feel like I have actually a grasp of who they are and what they're about and all of For sure. All of that after reading this without Roman, what were you about to say? Oh, you know, one of the things I love about this is it yeah, it's it's noirish, but it I don't even know if it's had like one I think they have at least one rain scene in an issue. A lot of Venetian but, blinds. But but yeah, but the rain motifs that you get in noir is I think replaced in this by ice's coldness and just her, mm. her phys the physical ice she creates it's interesting that i was going to say that um if i was directing the movie of this i mean i wouldn't do this because it's tom king's story and but if i was like direct as a movie and this was my own thing and i was directing it i would end it with this ending 
and yeah. just leave it totally ambiguous and you know audiences can debate about it for the next you know 50 years <laughs> I like but I, I love the ending of this issue yeah i love that it's like it's got a lot of the tropes of a good crime noir but it's much more um an homage to the like the mid-century pulp novels it's hmm. not quite that like dark gritty gumshoe kind of thing yeah. it's got much more of that that seedy smooth you know hear the the ice cubes clinking in the glass <laughs> kind of mood yeah. to it um and especially with all of smallwood's um very direct uh homages to that era and those covers and everything that it's uh it's just smooth in a different way than a lot of those other detective kind of stories are and it absolutely is i I, i've been convinced it's a 10 oh yeah give it a 10 i give it a 15 (gasps) oh my (laughs) good lord i don't even know if you're allowed to do that i have to call Django. no i'm just kidding i'm not gonna call Django. but it might not be a terrible night to call Django because it's probably only midnight in new orleans where he is no we shan't do that it would be inappropriate all right tom king you've done it again and like always we don't really know what the final issue is going to be because the second to last issue even when we try to overthink it uh, it has all the answers so well done you gorgeous gorgeous bastard you another book that we all read this week that we liked a lot was catwoman one bad day by g willow wilson and jamie mckelvey and i'm so glad that we have colette here not that i like out you know like like the Joel Jones Colette thing, and then she's on Catwoman. Probably anchors me in thinking that Colette is very tied to Catwoman. But I, 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 she's Catwoman Colette, very synonymous in my mind. Um, you and, and I were pretending to be Catwoman at the same time. Yeah, sweet, not the same ages, but the same time yeah, in, life, in yeah. the world. And yeah, like we it. were. Yeah, I so, love me some some okay. Selena. And I love Jamie McKelvey's art, who does the entire thing. I can't remember the last time we had 60 pages of Jamie McKelvey art. He's probably been working on this for three years. Um, that's a joke, but he does take a while to do stuff in my experience. Um, G. Willow Wilson, I like the voice for it quite a bit, but mostly Colette, take us away. I don't know. What did you, what'd you think of this? How did you feel about the story? How it fits into the one bad day motif? One bad day as a whole thing at this point? Where, where, where are you at? I fully read three of these. Okay. Which one? Um, one the bad. Riddler? Riddler, Two-Face, and this mm-hmm. one. one. I have the others. I just have not been reading yeah. for the last little while. Well, it's hard to read. I've been a little depressed and anxious, and I just can't focus on reading until these wonderful books came to me. Yeah. Um, This was great. I mean, it was fun. I felt like it was a little, for the whole premise of the one bad day, like one really bad day, it didn't feel quite as... um bad of a day they've gone um, pretty far off the mark with that idea like the bane one was a future story that doesn't even have a bad day oh cool yeah like okay, I'm, then, I'm, uh, I'm confused about the whole branding at this point yeah i mean if you throw out the the preconceptions of what the premise might be really they should just put the tom king one last i think it just set everything up for yeah to suffer in comparison um but uh this was a fun good selena story it was a little lighter than sometimes Mm -hmm. she can feel but i liked it it was um uh she didn't she wasn't quite as cold and angry um it was still there it was still the character fully but it wasn't as um i don't know you got to have a little more fun with her with this this heist to get back a brooch that uh her mom um got potentially ripped off by a pawn shop owner um when she was desperate to pay rent back in the day um 
and it's just kind of a twisty turny. She's trying to do a heist and everything goes right, but also wrong at the same time. And um, yeah, it's just a, a good little snippet into watching Catwoman do her shit. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. And I and to get to see McKelvey do one of my favorite characters yeah. of all time was great. I love yeah. that she's buff. Like yeah, so buff. often she's not drawn as being someone who could actually physically do the right. stuff that she does and <laughs> Roman, um, what were you just gonna say is g willow wilson writing um the regular catwoman series i don't know so. teeny howard's yeah. been doing it hasn't she i think you're right yeah I haven't been reading it. i'm not reading it yeah i dropped out <laughs> yeah. after joelle stopped um i was just wondering if the character that's introduced in here who's a great character i was just i agree yeah she's yeah. gonna be in the main catwoman book occasionally now I yeah, like I that love character that. a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons that we've sold out of this book. If it's, it's, it's like maybe a first appearance of oh. a character that people think has some legs. Yeah. yeah, I think everyone's just kind of picked up on that they want these one bad day books. Like it's crazy. everyone I've been selling it to hasn't been behind hasn't... the scenes. They did the first one, which was obviously going to sell the most, Tom King. And then they did two that were going to obviously sell the least. <laughs> and I don't even remember what they were because I didn't read both of them. I read one. Um, I forget. It was, it was Penguin and Penguin and Two Face was the and Two Face was yeah. wasn't bad, but I, I can't remember. But there was like some clunkers. And anyway, looking at the sales history, it dropped drastically after mm-hmm. one. So then stores are like fixing their orders to represent that. But then with like issues four and five, the Bane and Catwoman ones, they've both been really good. So we well, haven't had enough of them. Supposed to have come out last month. Oh, really? And it got, to, yeah, this was supposed to be in December. All the ads and other DC books were like, December, one bad day, Catwoman. And it came out a week after the Bane one. Um, yeah, I know, which is bizarre. Yeah, because it just got delayed for who knows what reason. Um, but it's, uh, it was great. I really liked it. Roman, what did yeah. you think of it? It was. It was a good, good high story. But we also got, you know, details like, I mean, I haven't been reading the main Catwoman series. So maybe she's been showing up in there. But to, for me, I was like, oh, wow, we get to see Catwoman's sister for the first time, as far yeah. as I know, in years. Um, mm-hmm. So that there's a lot of cool little details. Great new villain. There was some playing around with the the um, like the pawn shop owner when Selena was a kid and it keeps going back to him. And you still don't know by the end of the story. Did he not know his shit? Did he lie to Selena? I know. Mom? I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or it turns out, oh, maybe he actually did know his shit. <laughs> um I just like the little details like that. And yeah, the art is amazing. There's some shading on Catwoman on the black parts of her. Well, her costume's all black, but it's just, except it's just for those arm beautiful. Pits. Yeah, those except for armpits, the armpits, and you can see her strong <laughs> shoulders. Yeah, those weird armpit cutouts. <laughs> they are weird, but they look good. Mm-hmm. Listen, yeah, I like that head you to see... toe latex. It gets hot and sweaty. You're yeah, going to want to be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm, they're weird looking, but I'm not complaining. I. I... <laughs> I'd lick those pits. Oh my <laughs> God. Um, he's talking about Kyle Pitts, the football player. I love that you see the humanity of Selena. I always really like when you have these like Jessica Jones or Selena type characters who are super, super gruff, but then you see their like real like humanity behind them. Um, and it always kind of makes me think about Colette, who's just like, I, know, oh. I mean, she seems like a big gruff lady. Maybe she thinks, I don't know, but when she's also like the sweetest person ever. So I, I told Colette, I was like, oh man, it's really good. It gave me some Colette vibes, which the end of that Jessica Jones series did as well. So I liked that a lot. Um, I liked the mystery of is this valuable or not valuable, you know, 
mm-hmm. I think also like the kid stuff with her and the mom going to the pawn shop also made me think about Colette because I was like, I don't really know what Colette's life on Capitol Hill was like. <laughs> and this seems like it could have happened in there. Um, yeah, I liked the creation of the character. I liked kind of the mystery. I loved the brief, sexy interlude with Batman. And I love Jamie mm-hmm. McKelvey drawing that. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was just a very good romp. Uh, not like the best thing in the world. I gave it an 8.5, like a very, very good comic worth every 60, 60 pages in it. Um, art was gorgeous. Well written. Uh, yeah, G. Willow Wilson's fantastic. She's fantastic. We all know it. I don't have my copy here, sadly, because we ran out of them. So I can't really be flipping through it. To But this is just off memory. Yeah. I'd I give it a I'll give it a good solid nine. The nine. <laughs> Yeah, I gave it an eight and a half. It's nice. this was solidly a great con. It's not like the greatest thing ever created, but um, but I really, really liked it. Yeah, and I like, I like, I like. I mean, I was emotionally like she had sold this thing to a pawn shop guy who said it was fake and it wasn't worth anything, and it was being sold for millions of dollars. And I was like, fuck, that sucks. And then I love again yeah. the twist of it not being, but like I, I that response that I had of like, yeah, you got to get that back. You got ripped off, even if that guy didn't know. Like it was just like a very um evocative it uh not worth millions of dollars but my mom had some miriam haskell jewelry that she had to had to sell back in the day was Um, the seat of the setting of the diamond uh are you sure it was him it's costume jewelry (laughs) but but it's Um, expensive uh sought after costume jewelry but i just had a like speaking to your earlier thing i i did actually directly have a leg oh mom had to pawn her Miriam Haskell stuff back in the day. Oh, uh, can I can I can I talk to you about X Men for a minute? Sure, please. Rome dog, you ready to pile in this here motorcycle with me, the sidecar, and just tool our way down Sinister Alley and talk about possible futures? Oh, oh, sins of sinister. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about sins of sinister <laughs> number one by Kieran Gillen with art by Lucas Wernicke, uh Brian Valenza, and more. Um, this is a one shot that kicks off the Sins of Sinister kind of crossover event that's going to be happening through the bulk of the X-Men books through the next little chunk of time. It comes right off the heels of Immortal X-Men number, I think, 11, which I talked about last week or two weeks ago, quote unquote, for episode 299, quote last week. Um, Colette, that's the joke. We're skipping episode 300. Um, okay, for cool. right now. I kind of picked that up from the yeah, the you seemed like voice you message. Um, Colette. <gasps> yeah. In the previous issue of Immortal X-Men. Charles Xavier died because Sinister in Krakoa in the Kieran Gillen Immortal X-Men run has uh-huh. like cloned a bunch of Moiras and he's using these Moira clones to like live out possible futures. And if it doesn't go how he wants, he kills her and then has like these reset points for reality. So he's Jesus trying to Christ. kill, which is such an awesome idea. I think <laughs> like it's crazy and up its own butthole, but it's very like, that's very Kieran. No, I'm down. It's very Kieran Gillen, but yeah, and the part of him cool. that I, I would go for, yeah. It's like Kieran Gillen and Hickman. So, so, and what he's done is he's made it so every time the, like, because they're using his technology to be reproducing the consciousnesses when they reanimate the dead people. Oh, I can't remember that word. Roman, what's the word? Revive? Resurrect. Resurrection. Thank you. Uh, when they resurrect him, he's secretly hidden a tiny snippet of his genetic code into all of the people who are getting revived. And he's awoken it. So the end of the previous issue of Immortal X-Men is Charles Xavier taking off his helmet and he has a red diamond on his forehead. And you're like, how long has he had that? What? (laughs) So this issue starts and Colossus magic 
Lex or not Lex, uh, Charles Xavier and Emma Frost all have diamonds and they're on the Cohen, like the secret Cohen council. And they basically start doing the house and powers thing where there's like the current day, one year from now, 10 years from now and a hundred years from now. And it's examining this world where sinisters clones of these people have infiltrated the quiet council and are serving this sinister agenda across the entire globe. And over the course of these like four time periods you're seeing he's kind of like because like leading up to this they were doing this whole thing where like um the humans in acts judgment day the humans were upset that Krakoans can resurrect but the humans can't so Mm -hmm. like in this future like sinister makes it so like okay we're gonna let the the humans start doing this but that way he can then get his sinister dna in them so he's like ultimately trying to create a sinister planet because in house and powers (laughs) fucking ego (laughs) yeah of kieran gillen and sinister um And uh, because in House and Powers, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was that whole like the phalanx stuff. And uh-huh. like there was a whole issue about like the different stages of how evolved a planet or a technology or a community is. And so Sinister realizes that in all alternate realities, the technology always consumes humanity because it's not as evolved. So Sinister's like, well, I know I've learned I can make us more evolved. So, we can be- so that's his end goal. Um, and so this issue starts that whole introduce you know brings all that shit together shows these different timelines there's like a several page sequence where it's just like explaining the key moments of this timeline where like you know the hellfire club has a seat in hell and like wanda's getting killed and it starts the chimera project which was talked about heavily in the hickman house and power stuff like which the that main colossus girl was a chimera and it was the most entrenched in the hickman house and powers stuff i felt like we've been in a long time so I loved it. Roman, you also read this. What did you think of it? Oh, so so that's why I was so confused. Um, so is this so is this sinister stuff now? All the X books are gonna be sinister oriented in, in these timelines? Yeah. So the next, like, I don't know if they're stopping the other ones, but like I think Immortal X-Men is becoming Immortal X-Men. And then there's Ooh. a series called Storm and the Brotherhood. And yeah. because like Storm is the only one who's able to escape and like he's like doing the whole like days of future past, like looking for Storm in reality. Um, so she's leading some sort of brotherhood that's probably opposing Sinister. So like, yeah, there's like four X books that are going to be coming about that are all kind of name puns on the current books that are all in this future. OK, OK. Um, I didn't like it as much as you did. I mean, no, I was no a, one else did. Well, Nathan did, but yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I was a little bit like, well, I love Sinister. I love his machinations. Um, but I felt a little bit like, oh, come on. We're doing the plus 10 years, plus five years, plus 100 years. We've yeah. already done that. Um, yeah. But the overall long run of things, if it all comes together, well, that's cool. And there were some great little moments like like shooting Juggernaut through Thanos' oh. head. But then poor Juggernaut just keeps on going because like nobody bothers to to save him <laughs> and then like namor killing dr doom and shit yeah or, like the man i love urine uranos that inhuman like i love that he's in here yeah. I, I was only introduced to him in Axe, there, but i love there, him there's one page i did it like actually offended me the one where um Fantastic Four. sinister as has uh because Reed like put a failsafe in his brain so he couldn't be taken over but well why did he do that for his family then because then ben gets taken over and ben kills kills his family, kills the FF. And I was like, you know, I don't care. Ben Grimm is the greatest Marvel character. There's no way he'd overcome the Sinister's implants and because he's Ben Grimm. So that page I didn't like. I, I <laughs> like your explanation of that very much. 
<laughs> yeah, it. What I was saying to Nathan while we were texting about it today was just like I would, I would take a five issue miniseries in any one of these like moments that it kind of jumps through, like when the sinister Captain America like usurps the power from the president and kills the yeah. president, and then they fake this war where like the Avengers are bad and the X Men defeat them so that the world population thinks that the X Men are the good guys and the Avengers are the bad guys, or like you know the Doctor Doom stuff or the Uranus. So, like it's just. It's there are so many big ideas crammed into yeah. this little issue, and it's not that little of an issue, but I, I loved it. It's the most excited I've been about X Men since Hickman was writing it for sure, which surprises me because I do oftentimes uh, have kind of less than wonderful things to say about Kieran Gillen. Yeah, there's some just amazing the, the page just with the chimeras. I was like, oh, what's this one with? He's got Wolverine's claws, but his but his knuckles are glowing. To, like, what's his powers? Like and the, the one that's Colossus and Beast combined. Yeah. I was like, oh, is that? I want to see this team. I yeah. want to. Can this Colossus Beast is he all agile but organic steel? Sweet. I totally agree, dude. I totally agree. So uh, I'm gonna give it a nine point five. It really got me juicing. I was I started got my Jack O'Lanes juicer out and I just threw some carrots <laughs> and beets and watermelon in there and I started juicing this thing. <laughs> uh, I get, I get, I'll give it a, I'll give it a, I'll give it an eight. What the hell? Your hell excitement, yeah. your excitement is getting me more excited. Nice, nice. Um, okay, tell me about a book that only the two of you read. Uh, uh what, what's something only us? Well, read? Colette probably, or sorry, Roman probably read everything. So Colette, what's something? <laughs> yeah, Once Upon a Time at the End of the World was one you read. What else did you read that maybe Roman read? Uh, Junkyard Joe. Oh, you guys read that? Oh, yeah, I read that. Yeah. What's what is that? I thought it was strictly tied into the Geiger universe, like in that future. But now I'm being told it's actually just a war story. Well, it was a first issue was a war story. Okay. Um, was set in Vietnam when Joe, a junkyard Joe, is sent to on a with a platoon and um, uh, but like the the orders uh for command letting them know that he's a robot get ignored and no one sees it and he goes off on this mission and um they don't know he's a robot until he jumps on a grenade and saves everybody and oh. loses his disguise Selfless um, and then everybody what one person in the platoon gets killed in the first issue and other than muddy who joe saves and joe goes and disappears and then it, we jump forward to muddy's an old man uh doesn't really remember if Joe was real or not and has been writing a um like a peanut style cartoon called huh. Junkyard Joe for decades and is retiring and is this grumpy old man living in the middle of nowhere somewhere in the Midwest um and uh um and his wife has died um and he's all alone and Joe shows up about the same time that a family moves in across the street with a dad whose wife has just died and his three kids and he's they're all dysfunctional and and in pain and uh and their their worlds are intertwining and it, Dude, i that was the best description like i've had of this book yet who is writing and doing the art uh it's jeff johns okay and, he's also right. okay. and gary frank is doing oh the my art. god he's doing the art yeah. inside his, so this is like replacing geiger currently but yeah oh wow. it's a six issue run um and it's like contemporary times. I didn't read Geiger, so I don't, I can't speak to, uh, I take it that it's in the future. And Joe is a member of some team, mm-hmm. uh, according to the timeline in the back is what I'm guessing. But um, this has been great. It Like, I did not expect to really like this this much. Um, uh, like, Joe is broken and has 
clearly has PTSD, which is, I don't know. I, I really like the veteran stuff in here. It doesn't feel yeah. heavy handed or schlocky or, um, uh, it feels understanding and respectful and not, um, trying to, uh, be overly anything other than expressing experiences through something outlandish. Um, but this one, the whole, all the kids from across the street have, have found out about Joe and, uh, and they're kind of coming together and it's quick. I feel like it's hard to, feels like kind of an in-between issue, but it was still really good. And, and we're seeing the, um, uh, the baddies coming looking for Joe also in this one. And yeah. Roman thoughts. Yeah, there's, some, there's some awful, <laughs> there's some, there's some neo-Nazis looking God for Joe it. for some reason. Yeah. And they've even got masks there, you know, well, at least two of them are pretty reminiscent of Joe's face. Uh, I guess all three of them are. Um, I really like it too. I mean, and yeah, the, the, the touching on veterans trauma, that kind of thing is really well done in this. And especially, especially, uh, I mean, the art, I and mean, this is great Gary Frank art and, and Joe doesn't even, he's silent. So it's all, all of his trauma is portrayed just through body language and, mm-hmm. and uh, Muddy's reactions to him and stuff. And it's so well done. Yeah. Um, and it's not, cloying or, or cheesy at all and it's just just all feels very authentic which is quite a feat when you're talking about a robot yep yeah and the fact that i don't know i really like i i get really burned out on the schlocky um uh thanking of veterans and and making the show of it just to feel good about stuff and everything like i watch jared be thanked disingenuously so many times of just like oh i'm being a good person because i'm thanking this veteran and stuff and this actually feels like it is really is honoring people and and respecting them i like that the letter pages are instead of letters people can submit um uh a write-up about a veteran in their life that was important to them and that like money from these issues goes to veterans organizations in the u.s and um in the uk and yeah and it's just it's just a solidly well done comic it's one of those things where i feel like if i describe the plot it seems like oh okay there's a robot like it's we've got a shtick but then the story is something straightforward that you would expect but it's just done so solidly that it's good it's an interesting good read yeah yeah and obviously jeff johns being such a huge comic book fan dc fan i mean i love the fact that he took the idea of dc's gi robot and did something with it other than the fact always oh, oh, it's a robot that fights in wars that's where it comes <laughs> from yeah yeah I and mean, they even look pretty similar um but they never did any stories like this with gi gi robot um robot. robot it's very impressive well what are your scores for it you wonderful people this one also gets a nine from me i give it an eight clutch should i read this book yes yeah <laughs> okay. all right okay. it's a quick read too I like need, you'll I, I need you to collect to tell me that sometimes you just need a colette you know what i mean well i appreciate that i can tell you to read it and you'll read it i told jared to read it and he was like man it doesn't sound interesting because my love... husband doesn't uh read anything i suggest and I, <laughs> it doesn't hurt my uh skin ego at tight, all skin tight 90s ladies i don't recommend that shit i just bring no, it because i know reads. he wants yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> um let's let's sidestep to a different jeff johns book you guys both read justice society of america number two right yes yes but you've read have you read everything kind of leading up to this the first issue and then the, did you read that like the new golden age thing uh i missed the new golden age okay, i but read, read justice society one yeah um roman do you want to take the lead on this all right eight i love it <laughs> uh the second issue 
Well, the end, the end of the first, the first issue ended with uh, Huntress um, getting knocked out and the Justice Society, she's just met them all and they've got the, I forget if Huntress brought the two or what, but they have the watch and the snow globe from Jeff Johns's um, Doomsday oh, Clock. Doomsday Flash Clock. Point Flash beyond, point beyond and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. So that stuff's still coming into play in Johns's stories. Um, and she wakes up, she's in the Justice Society's brownstone, and they're all trying to figure out who this woman from the future is. I think, uh, I forget if she told them last issue or if Spectre or somebody just figured it out. Oh, okay. And she tells them again in this that she's a member of the justice society in the future except her entire team was murdered in the first issue i love um, her rundown of like who's on the team and how yeah. outlandish they are so hopefully they'll believe her story without a lot of uh <laughs> yeah speculation yeah totally. <laughs> so so yeah she shows up and this is her meeting the justice society trying to use dr fate's helmet to solve this a mystery and then she gets kind of just I really like the description of it in this, like um, whatever force is trying to obfuscate the truth from Dr. Fate. Like he's like, he's spreading my consciousness out across my timeline. So like his, his consciousness kind of like jumps to a future moment and then goes back in time. And I really liked that uh, description of his, you know, inability to discover that. I, I don't feel like a ton happened in this issue, but I do really, really like it again. Like it, it's doing that thing that Jeff Johns does so well, which is, makes you feel like you know enough to be able to be excited about engaging in stories about characters that you're not that familiar with. Yeah. And he um, gives you just enough like connective tissue so you can, you can make connections. Cause like in this issue, fate sliding along his timeline, Dr. Fate, and he glimpses an adventure, I think in 1941 with this green skin girl that we fight out in um, the Jeff John series, star girl is one of the lost teen sidekick oh. characters and Salem was Dr. Fate's sidekick. I mean, I mean, Jeff Johns created her. She was retroactively introduced in the star girl series, that's, but Dr. I'm not reading star girl okay. currently. So I'm glad yeah. I knew that that was supposed to tie in, but I'm glad that that's, it's actually like concretely tying in like that. Yeah. I and just then this, it was a character. Everyone knew that I did. And in this issue, Dr. Fate doesn't know who she is. Cause you know, for we don't know why yet, but all those characters were, everybody forgot about them. Hence the lost. But also he invented in this that there was a Justice Society Dark back in the 40s that has the original Mr. Miracle, who's not from New Genesis. He's just a human who also retroactively was one of the guys that trained Batman. Um, hmm. <laughs> and I just love all these connections and all this all this stuff come along. I love and the art- connections, even though I missed a good number of them that you caught. I even love artistically that little things like just like seeing like Spider-Man's pupils through his mask when Dr. Straits fate gets zapped here a couple times. You see his Spider-Man. pupils, you see his pupils through the eye holes, which you normally don't. Yeah, it's Spider-Man was the first one where they did that, where like you saw his pupils oh, through the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Moments of extreme stress that happens yeah. to some characters. Oh well, yeah, you can see Mr. Miracles on that last panel with him. I love uh oh, yeah. old lady catwoman drawn by Mikhail Janin in those scenes. Uh with the gravestones of Bruce and Selena Wayne. Um, yeah. yeah, again, they do that motif where she's thrown through time and they're breaking through the vertical panel gutters of a double page spread of four vertical panels. Like, I like that a lot. I, you know, I, again, I like the characters. I like the art. I like the way that they're dividing up the art. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's very good. I need to be reading that Stargirl book, it sounds like, so I can get the, the context around a lot of this stuff. Yeah, they're really um, companion books, which... 
makes sense. I just hadn't realized that in the, with the first issues. It wasn't really advertised. I'll, I'll no, it's not advertised that way. Oh, there are three different artists on this. I was like, this yeah. feels even... I, I was like, this. it's impressive that this is Yannon, like, Janin doing all these different styles, but it felt so different. It's because it's three different people. So, yeah. I did feel a little bit lost in this one more so than the previous issues, but I think that's totally fine. I mean, honestly, kind of Roman, what you were saying made me think of the idea that like, I love when I was getting into comics as an adult, like 13, 14 years ago, you know, comics were written in, in a different way, I feel like than they are now. And they're more in this Jeff John style where like it would hint at these characters and allude to these things. And it would cause me to go on like Wikipedia and look them up. And it was that, that was so much fun to like, feel like, Oh, there's this huge wealth of history for me to discover. And nowadays, mm-hmm. I feel like stories are isolated, like the characters are introduced in a run and isolated to that run. Like you, you are in a run with the character and the artist or the writer. Um, whereas this is like, Hey, go, go check your history books, you know, like learn about these characters. Cause it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really like that. Jeff Johns is so good at doing that. And I think it's a thing that is less in vogue now. So I, that was, you know, reading this makes me feel like, Oh, I got to look who is this character? Cause I used to do that stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to have like my my Marvel wiki just open yeah. whenever I'd be reading Who an X Men run that I hadn't been in because you right. X Men yeah. there's like five billion characters. And now they they do this <laughs> thing where they're like, we want new readers, so we won't bring these people up, and you only need to look up the people that we're talking about. But we're pretty much going to give you everything you need to know. Like it's very uh, not insular, but you know, unto itself. And I really like the the kind of beckoning of the writer to engage in the history of these characters in these comics and. Um, I- I'm loving this book and it uh, makes sense that Roman's got to be liking it even more than me because he gets all of it. <laughs> there's some, there's, and, there, yeah, and, and it's, it's true. It's fun looking up some of the characters because, because yeah, I do that too. I have to look up things about Dr. Fate and dead man and stuff. It's like, Oh no, it's all in your gourd. No. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I- I'm always thrilled to see dead man in a story because yeah. I just love him and his costume. It's just so classic. Neil Adams classic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are your scores on this one, pups? Gosh, I can't give another nine. I just gave nine. I'll give it. Eight, I, I've given it a nine. eight and a half. Okay, I'll give it a nine. <laughs> I, I, I wrote eight and a half or nine, and I'm I'm sold on the nine. I gave it a seven. Oh, Ro- Colette, unpack that. What what aren't you digging so much? I I think I haven't read. I think I haven't read enough of the things that are connected into this to I haven't read a broader amount than you two. And so I didn't get the like, oh, I think there's something else here or oh, that's missing from this one thing. And I mm-hmm. felt a little more, I think, lost um, with some of the stuff. And I I I wish that I had read the first one more recently because the right. trying feels, to remember even what feels was like happening more than a month ago at the end of the last one and then with this being so jumpy and kind of disjointed i had a harder time um getting into it not having as much of a knowledge base of like i never i only read the first few issues of doomsday clock and i have just it kind definitely of jumped around kind of from more modern jeff Can- jeff johns canon for sure. yeah so it was i I didn't dislike it. I felt hurt more by the lack of knowledge. Not um, <laughs> why are you not hurting me, Jeff? Excited by the lack of knowledge and wanting to go into it more. It I was good, that, but yeah. I think I just didn't have the the stuff to make it great for me. Totally justifiable, um, Roman. What do, what do you got plopping around in that big old Christmas sack of yours? 
Um, you know, I read the first issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The oh, Last Ronin yes, Lost thank Years. Thank you for remembering. Ooh. I wanted the, to. Hear, was, what? Tell me about this. Well, it's the. Did you finish the previous series? I did. I did. How did that all end? Uh, like we talked about it on here. God, did like, we did not? Mikey, it's... Did Mikey die? You know, I actually don't remember. I think he did. I felt like that series was a little well. It was hard to keep up because I, if I remember right, there was delays between oh, issues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and so it felt like, to me, it felt like it went on way too long. Um, so by the end, I was just like, uh, great, I'm going to read the last issue because I'm kind of obligated to. And now I don't remember what happened to Mikey at the end. I think he probably died. Um, so this is a prequel series to that. Um, the Lost Years of, of Michelangelo. Um and it's pretty sad, as you would expect. It's actually written by Kevin Eastman. Um, oh, Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. Uh, but it's pretty sad. I was like, oh, geez, this is rough. Because, you know, he's lost his brothers. He's lost lost his father. Um, and he makes his way to, to – he's kind of wandering just pointlessly. And eventually he makes his way to this uh, this old dilapidated shack that I think Splinter had up on a mountain – and he spent some time, some years there, just meditating and gardening and trying to come to grips with things. But of course, it all turns bad, and and some humans sh- show up and just beat the crap out of him because he, he's because he's lost his, you know, he's lost everything, and he doesn't really fight back. And, and turtles, right? Yeah, and and they just beat him up. I beat I um, beat a turtle up. And <laughs> and he's you know he's kind of almost suicidal, but not actively so. But he's kind of like willing to let them maybe kill him. Uh, but then he has an inspirational flashback to Splinter and, you know, kind of turns it around. But then there's a mystery and he finds this book and there's a mystery. And so he goes down the mountain for the first time in a few years and bad things have happened in the village, which the village, the remaining villagers blame him for, for some reason. And and it, and it all gets even sure. shittier. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, how is the art in it? Uh, it's all right. It's not. Who's the artist here? It's uh, I've never heard Waltz of this. Or- no, it's um, I can't even make out this SL Gallant. It did seem like they, you know, last run was so successful that it doesn't surprise me that they're trying to capitalize on that with kind of like a mm-hmm. different artist. And, you know, like it was that was such a big deal. Yeah. Well, there's actually uh, three different artists. Well, four, if you count, there's a few oh, scenes that are describing things in Splinter's journal. And those are actually drawn by Kevin Eastman. Okay, well, but, I feel but, like I need. Well, I think it's cool that Splinter's journal is. Eastman, yeah, because that's like the oldest stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. but mostly art is S.L. Gallant and Maria Keene. Interesting. And Ben Bishop on the current now scenes. Huh. Well, what do you, what do you give that hodgepodge? Um, boy, and Eastman's of course with the best pages. Yeah. Uh oh, I'd give it a seven point five or eight, right mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Well, Roman, can I? continue to shine a spotlight on you and ask what you thought of action comics. I also read this one. Colette, you didn't read this one, right? No, I read the first page and a half and then nice. I ran out of time. And then you said, <laughs> no, thank you. No, I um, said, Oh damn it. <laughs> You're this like, what's one... this big Avengers start tower looking building here in Metropolis? I don't know. <laughs> this is written by <laughs> Philip Kennedy Johnson. Who's going to be writing the Superman stuff. I believe going forward, not Tom Taylor. Uh, it is Superman centric art by Rafa Sandoval. Um, what'd you think of this Roman? Kind of picks up, it's kind of the end of an era of the previous Superman. Now we've got Cal back and we've got John is back as a Superman. and But we're kind of reuniting the family and not everyone's dead or gone and uh, setting a new era. So this is kind of a, the, the hub of what all the Superman stuff is coming out of. 
Yeah, and I it was all right. I mean, I'm a little on the, on the one hand, I'm glad that new Superman, the Chinese artificially created yep, Superman, yep. is back at DC. I, I mean, he didn't leave DC, but I'm glad they're doing something with him again. Though I'm also kind of like, well, why is he in Metropolis hanging out with Clark? Yeah, shouldn't and his family? he be over in his home? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I'm sure they'll get around to explaining, yeah. but I kind of wanted an explanation before he's just there. And it's also kind of silly to me that oh, and Clark and Lois have apparently adopted these two refugee kids from war world. I didn't read all the war world stuff. So I don't know these characters. I've, I read or flipped through all of it anyway. Yeah. He, they had, they brought them to earth from war world. And I guess they have powers now because that looks disgusted war world. People what's going on. You look like you're some making of a... this art is terrible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of yeah, the it's not terrible. good. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, you know, fuck is that Metallo? <laughs> yeah. But he, he says in the story, there's his face is jacked up, and he mentions that he's one of the yeah. things he's angry at Lex for. Okay, okay, it's a robot um, with a fake face, but yeah. Okay, yeah. that's a little more excusable. It's still not a good robot with a no. Fake they are face. throughout. It's not no. great. Sorry, yeah. I, I I could do without the two War World kids because Ben and Alicia just did this over at Marvel like last year, the year before, where they and adopted the Flash a Flash did it. Like yeah, they, they had, adopted a scroll and a Cree kid and. You know, we don't need all these little kids around. Though it will read us some <laughs> interesting things with John. I mean, what's this going to do to him? Now his parents have adopted two little kids. and John, I did like, like what it alluded to within this. Like, yeah. of course, he feels a little weird about that. Like, I think yeah. there's a lot of seeds in this for interesting, interesting stories to grow. Yeah, I'm glad to see the uh, revisiting the stories of, um, oh, what are they calling this now? This John when he was being Superman. raised by... Super yeah, the Lois, Lois and Clark, who are the current Lois and Clark, if I remember right, they yep. were pre-New 52, and then they came into regular DC Universe and replaced the New 52 Superman and Lois. Yep, exactly. That is exactly um, correct. Yeah, and those are fun stories. <laughs> and it's and it's uh, a guy we like a lot on art. Yeah. Um, Lee, um, Weeks. Lee Weeks? Yeah. 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 It, yeah. Sorry, I just sometimes like I love comics <laughs> so much and I'm I'm down for it, but sometimes you just hear the describing of things. And just like, this is fucking ridiculous. Stupid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> man, we tried to reset the universe with this couple for a while and we don't like it. So let's just have them replaced from another reality by this couple, which is the original one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's wild. So I had the same kind of thing with the Power Girl story because yeah, because Power Girl has famously been a character they never know what to do with. So every now and then they bring her back and go, oh, she's actually descended from Arion, Mage of Atlantis. Right. She's part Atlantean. And now this Just in this story, it. it's there's new stuff. She has mental powers. And yeah, you know, Wally West ex-girlfriend is trying to teach her how to use them. And <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a good jumping off point for a bunch of other things. I don't think it functioned incredibly well to like make a new reader be like, oh, I need to read Superman. Yeah, but no. But if you've been reading along, like it clearly changes the tone and addresses a new era. And I like that. And I like all the characters. The cover is good, but it's got a people in a lot of like leather jacket looking costumes. Dan Mora, I love your art, but you are really making everyone wear leather jacket, like kind of tight fitting leather jacket. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't liked, know if I need that. Yeah. Like I like new Superman's actual yeah. costume. Why does he switch to the like leather Superman tight, slash yeah. American colors? Yeah. yeah so, it's very much got to like when superhero movies started actually getting a lot of and TV shows and everything. Yeah, like, like oh, Smallville. we got to make these look like real yeah. clothes, yeah. like wearable yeah. clothes. Well, Good let's point. make them 
armory leather, but yeah, it's a comic. Just make it spandex. Yeah, yeah that's why I'm here. Yeah. But I liked I liked it all for the most part. Um, I think the backup was good. I didn't read the Power Girl one, which is just a couple pages. Colette, um, Superman went to War World. Are you familiar with what his outfit was in War World? There was a no, lot of I covers and stuff. He had just like okay. basically a metal plate with an S on it and a cape, and there was like chains going from the cape to the metal S, and he had like kind of chains on him, and he was like shirtless. Yeah, I think I just it. blocked that out as I was looking at. Well, those. John at one point is looking for board games to play with these kids, and he opens up a closet. And he finds Superman's War World costume, like <laughs> hanging with the chains. And like Lois comes, is like, "Hey, what are you looking for?" It's <laughs> not in there. And, like, close the door, and he's like, "I was looking for board games." Oh my god! And uh, this is the they've kept it for... stuff. No, it's in the main oh. issue. Oh, okay. um, but it's clearly Lois and Clark are keeping that around for bondage sex stuff. And I thought you'd like that scene. <laughs> Yeah, it's got that collar because the chain. I think it was all connected yeah. to the collar. Oh, yeah, there it yeah, is. Because he was like chain. Okay. Yeah, and that so, whole thing okay. was and that whole thing was an homage to uh, the Philip Wiley's science fiction pulp story Gladiator, which is what Siegel and Schuster kind of hmm. based Superman, their Superman on. Well, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I I gave it an eight. I thought it was pretty good. Not great, but good. And I think that. Everything that kind of comes out of this, because it's not like this is a linear thing. There's going to be a bunch of things that spring out of this, and uh, it made me excited for all those things. Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll give it a seven point five. Yeah, mostly for the Lee Week story. I really like that one. Oh, I did too. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. I like I like the last page of the Metallo story. That looked awesome. Yeah, I don't care for Metallo or Amazo. And it seems like oftentimes when there's a new Superman or Justice League run, they throw either one of those guys out there. And I'm like, yeah, generic robot human with Kryptonian things or something. I don't know. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I love those guys. They're so <laughs> cheesy. Plus, yeah, they're, they're, cheesy. they're probably the other than Lex Luthor, they're the first Superman villains I read as a kid. I was like, oh my gosh, that guy's, yeah. he's, he's got a kryptonite heart. How, yeah. how, how <laughs> scary. <laughs> Um, Colette, do you have anything that you wanted to talk about before we get out of here? Oh, I um, mean, like, what? How is once in future, once upon a time, and a place far from here, or whatever? I only read the first time issues. at the end of the world. Thank you. Uh, by Jason Aaron, who we both and, love. Uh, Alexandre. T- oh fuck! Why do I always oh, end up reading, Colette. trying to say the last names that I don't want to butcher, <laughs> and I don't. Tefenki. Oh god, it's bad. Just, I just run and move. Just run and move. <laughs> um. I it I I love Jason Aaron and I've kind of fallen off a lot of his stuff for the last while since he's been doing all this Avenger stuff and everything, and this is great. It's like a Ooh, really great. good mix of he does dark and like brutal so well, but it's funny and sweet too. It's a good balance of uh, peppering in the like creepy and and brutal little bits along with actually like a a sweet and interesting story and um anything that i'm still reading that's uh uh, post-apocalyptic by issue three and plan to keep going is uh is something good because that is not a genre (laughs) i usually like it's gotta be a and there's a a well-done story to give me to make me actually want to read that and yeah um it's just fun and it's good and i like it um and I read Damn Them All, number four. Um, I'm, I'm, I've only at issue two right now. I think I have to read three and four. Maybe I read three, but I don't I like really, it. But it's, I forget it, what's I going on. I keep like, I kind of zone out while I'm reading mm-hmm. it. I have to like stop myself and refocus. It's um this one had a different narrator to it. It's like 
the shitty rich guy and i mm. felt it was not as fun to read because i didn't like the narration so much and i just find my mind wandering something about the way that this book is written i like i really like it i really like the characters everything about it but it doesn't hold my the attention the way i wish it did you're yeah, right um, I, have, I have that problem with that book too yeah and then i read um bulls of beacon hill number one it's an aftershock book which mm. was um uh it reminded me of um filling the Django uh, seat tonight Amer yep yep uh american carnage but like american carnage light <laughs> um i don't know it's a good like dark gritty fucked up um it's uh uh, I don't know. It's a Django book. That's yeah. really like that's your <laughs> stick for it. It's not great, but if you the like man has Django, Django slash Coco, <laughs> like where Django and I cross over, like this is a Ew. totally serviceable. What are your uh, What are your scores on those? Oh gosh, um, Once Upon a Time, I'll give a seven and a half. Um, Damn them all, a seven, and Bulls of Beacon Hill, I'll give a six and a half. Okay. Roman, I just want to quickly throw out uh, Thanos number 30 by Gronbeck and Klein. Uh, I really don't like that. I mean, Thor? Yeah, what 30? did I say? Thanos. Oh, sorry. It says Thanos on the title. Yeah, his I'm... name's on the cover. So. Yeah. Um, but number 30, I really don't like that Odin is in the hammer. And I forget that he is a narrator at any given time. Every time one of his bubbles come up, I'm like, oh, we have a new narrator. And then it, it takes me three pages to remember it's him. I don't like that. Odin, get out of the hammer. I don't want you in there. Um, issue is fine, but uh, I don't I don't want that. So, and yeah. I also want to say Saga. Um, I've had a pretty major disinterest in Saga spoilers. Saga spoilers. Not <laughs> grotesque, but a while ago, before the pandemic, pre-pandemic, years ago, the big spoiler was that Marco died. And since then, I've really lost a lot of interest in this story. Um, that family unit was what I cared about. So I don't care that much. Um, and in this issue, that's they're like, oh, we can bring your dead husband back. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we'll be able to do that. Or maybe we won't. You know, that's an interesting idea. But it, it it responds to what in Saga that I've kind of has caused me to lose interest in the series, which is the dis dissolution of that family unit. Because as much as I love uh, the main female, whose name I forget right now, um, she's become, I think, pretty unlikable. And between the guy being dead and her being kind of unlikable, I'm like, why am I reading this book? So I'm excited to hopefully have that go that way. But it's Saga and everyone loves it. So when he comes back, That's... he's going to have a red diamond on his forehead. Ooh, very <laughs> topical. I like that. That's kind of irritating. Like, I I mean, I'm further behind than you. I mean, I know all the big spoilers because how can you work at a comic book store and not know those? Right. Um, but like kind of the one thing that I don't dislike Saga, but I don't love it. But mm -hmm. like the the fact that you could kill off anybody and you could have the emotional um uh actually having to like go through the emotional process of losing a character that you like was kind of the thing that i think made that book in a lot of ways of that they were interesting characters you could have an emotional response to having to lose it's the same thing that kind of kept game of thrones going of like that like concreteness of anybody could go creates right. gravity where there isn't actually a lot going on but it's also and, like but then you killed a character and now people care less so are you yeah you killed to, the like, one character yeah. that really kept everything together yeah huh yeah and i don't know and maybe he'll come back and maybe he won't sog is an interesting thing because i think that it also kind of functions for a lot of people as they're like 
it's the one comic I read. So I love every issue of it, regardless of whether it's good or not. You know, like it, it, it falls into a kind of a weird category. It is a lot of people's only comic that they get. And I think that's awesome. There is a comic for that. But when that's your relationship with it, I think it also kind of predisposes you to think it's great no matter what they do. Well, you can like when it's your first love in a genre too, or something or a medium, you you have that emotional response to things that's the connection of yeah. like that sense memory connection. And it makes sense. Like I know that fables got not good uh, later on in the series. I still loved it though, because it just like, I was, I was completely emotionally invested in it mm-hmm. from the way it hit at one point in time. And that, that carried me through. And I think that will do a lot for a lot of people with saga for a long time. Yeah. So I gave saga an eight because it's still good, obviously. And then I gave uh, Thor a seven. Roman, what'd you give Thor? Um, I think I gave it an eight point five. Nice, that's good. I, I I I really liked. I mean, I like. I always love Thor the best when it gets deep into the mythology. Um, and event, you know, eventually Odin will be out of the hammer and and either King of Asgard again, or at least he'll be out of the hammer. But that did that they did have, especially this issue. They didn't. I don't know. They didn't label it as well or something where it confused me too. That yeah, oh, it's like oh, that's Odin. Right. narrating from inside Mjolnir I didn't realize that yeah. <laughs> um but I like all the stuff with the Valkyries and and you know I forget her name Runa the ancient Valkyrie yep. and the Dragur I liked all that kind of stuff yeah and of course the the big the reveal at the end the cliffhanger that was cool um well I think that's everything we need to take care of here today I think that's everything we need to take care of here today Right? We've cleaned up all the messes. We've taken care of everything. We've dusted the shelves. We've made sure mm-hmm. everyone knows what's going on. We've talked about the things that we love. We became friends again in spite of everything. Um, I think, I think, how are you doing, Jeff? You doing okay? You, I'm doing your pretty life good. good. You're happy. Yeah. You're good. You're, I just you're want to remind right. everybody, I want to remind everyone that uh, if you want to send us an email like Will does, you should do that at jeff at the Please do it. If you're hearing us say this, that means you've made it this far into the podcast. We want to hear from you. So let us know. Um, but beyond that, I got to say, I'm Jeff, and thanks for hanging out with us. I'm Roman. Thank you. I'm Colette. Thank you all very much. And I'm Jeff, and I I was wondering what will happen if we call Django right now. (gasps) Yay. It's 1 o'clock in New Orleans. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Django? Sorry, uh, sorry, Django? Jeff. Is this Jeff Figley? It's Jeff Figley (gasps) from the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast. Uh, You can't hear Colette and Roman talk to you, but they can hear you. Well, can you hear me okay? I might be kind of quiet because I'm in a room. I'm in a uh, house full of sleeping babies. Yeah, well, so I called you because at the end I said, I have a question. I was wondering if Jingle answer his phone at one o'clock in the morning, New Orleans time. And the answer <laughs> is apparently yes. Farewell. Farewell. I'll answer the phone for you guys anytime. Oh, Jingle, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I had, uh, I've eaten my body weight in seafood the last few days. I love seafood, Jingle. <laughs> so good. Hey, uh, did you read any comics this week? I read a couple of them. I read Human Target. Oh, oh. pretty good. Did you give it a 10? I gave it a 9.5. You coward. We all oh. gave it a 10. Yeah. Collect just I, went, I, oh. Discussion about it. All right. Well, you'll hear it. And I bet that because we're all pulp, pulp experts, you'll probably change your tune. <laughs> I also read the Bad Idea or Bad Day Catwoman. Yeah. I didn't love it. Oh, so it's okay, but I didn't love it. What? Hey, listen. Is it that you don't like muscular women with armpits that are exposed? Mm. The armpits are part of it, probably. <laughs> There's a lot um, of pit in that episode, everyone. <laughs> I I don't 
not a huge Jamie McKelvey fan. Whoa. Um, and it didn't feel like, uh, I don't know. I, it it just didn't grab me. I, I was hoping to like it a lot more. I gave that one a seven and a half. Kind of grabbed me by the nuts a little bit. <laughs> oh, sure it did. Mm-hmm. I'll treat you by the nuts a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> Six grab, <laughs> grabbed nuts. Um, uh, Jago, how, how, how is New Orleans? It's good. It's cold here. I landed in the middle of a tornado watch. Um, my mom's building has been out of power for three days or four days. Uh, New Orleans has an agenda with you. I told him it was allowed to travel that far. Wonderful torture. Yeah, but you look cute over there. Um, uh, Well, is there anything you want to tell our listeners or our shop family? Listen, I miss you all. We miss Um, you, buddy. We miss you. You, You're sorry. I won't get into it. You miss my musk. I miss your mind, Mister Musk. Which is nice. Which is nice. Hey, uh, and there was new Bob Dylan music came out today, and we were both listening to. It's been a it's been a day we we've been connected. Uh, two boys, yeah. three legs. Yeah, I've been listening to uh, listening to that Bob Dylan. In fact, I had to stop listening because somebody called me. Oh, who were they late? You? Was that late? It was it was late. Yeah, late call. yeah, late call. But you passed the test, man. You answered your phone oh, in New God. Orleans late at night. You never you hey ten years. You've never let me down. Eight, maybe probably eight, really, but yeah. It's going to be a big fall, buddy. Oh, I can't wait. Well, hey, um, we all love you, and we all miss you, and our listeners love you, and uh, we're excited to have you home. I'll see you in 100 years. Hey, Django. What? Tell your mom I said hi. Oh, I will. <laughs> Bye, buddy. <laughs> That's a good guy right there. That's a guy who will answer your call at 1 o'clock in the morning is what we've learned. Oh, I, I love him. him. I know, me too. All right. We miss you, Django, and we love you. And uh, we'll do it one more time. I'm Jeff. Rowan. I'm Colette. Bye.